It must have been magic. Whatever possessed them had transformed these unknown kids from a faraway place into something greater than themselves. It was as if by some ancient alchemy gold had been extracted from the salty Utah earth. They were a ragtag team of kids wearing borrowed shoes and loner jockstraps, giants in boys' frames, elevated beyond their humble beginnings to the status of kings who ruled Madison Square Garden as if it were their royal court. That magic was tangible to those who witnessed it, and was a catalyst in the lives of the players, changing the course of their fates forever. With three seconds left on the clock, and the score tied at forty, Utah's Herb Wilkinson knew time was running out. He could tell by the frantic look in the eyes of the Dartmouth defenders. For most of the game, the Indians had maintained their elegant form, but now they were unhinged, almost tripping over themselves to get at the ball. Bob Lewis had two men on him and was swinging his elbows from side to side to clear some space. He rose up wildly and saw Herb alone at the top of the key. With a flick of his wrists, the ball went sailing across the court and landed perfectly in Herb's hands. Herb somehow found an opening in the smothering Dartmouth defense. Even though he was a step beyond the top of the key, he fixed his stance and raised his eyes toward the rim. The thought of the buzzer bore into Herb's mind, and he was sure it would end the spell that had carried them across the country to this unlikely place. Herb's gut reaction was to dish the ball to one of his teammates, but as he lifted the ball above his head and scanned the court, he saw only a mass of defenders. Two of them turned toward him, and he looked above their heads at the distant basket. It was his only choice. Herb's competitive instincts took over as he lofted the ball with a one-handed set shot. The screaming fans in sold-out Madison Square Garden fell silent as they witnessed the soft leather ball take flight and bounce gently on the iron rim. The year was 1944, and the world kept watch on Europe and the Pacific for any indication of an Allied victory. In just three months, the combined forces of the free world would launch their assault against the German forces at Normandy in France. The names of Utah Beach and Omaha Beach would be thrust squarely into the forefront of the minds of all Americans. Families throughout the country whose sons, fathers, husbands, and brothers faced the enemy overseas hoped that the dreaded letter from the War Department would pass them by. In the Pacific, the war with Japan continued to take the lives of American soldiers. Thousands of American and Philippine soldiers continued to be held as prisoners of war by the Japanese in the Philippine Islands. Newsreels produced by the U.S. government focused on atrocities committed by the Japanese military against U.S. soldiers. More than 120,000 Japanese Americans lived as prisoners on American soil, held by a suspicious U.S. government in internment camps scattered throughout the western United States. Anti-Japanese sentiment in America was at a fevered level. The focus of Americans, hungry for something to buoy their war-laden hearts, shifted from foreign conflicts to the culmination of one of the most unusual and dramatic stories in sports history. On the evening of March 28, 1944, in smoke-filled Madison Square Garden, the largest crowd ever assembled to watch a basketball game witnessed an event that elevated college basketball to the top of the nation's headlines. 
American soldiers tuned their radios to listen to the final game of the NCAA tournament that pitted the unlikely University of Utah Utes against the heavily favored Dartmouth College Indians. Dartmouth benefited from the addition of several stellar players enrolled at the school under the Navy's wartime V-12 program. The Utes, on the other hand, had to start four freshmen because their senior players were serving their country.